Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. We are once again proud to be sponsored by Primary PE Passport, who have partnered with the Children's Health Project, childrenshealthproject.com. The Children's Health Project offers schools a holistic approach to physical health and mental well-being education. Pillars of health, which training resources and lesson plans focus on. Mindset, nutrition, lifestyle and movement. The CHP plans are now available on the Primary P Passport app with additional resources, training, CPD and support available direct from Lisa at the Children's Health Project. So why not head over to primarypepassport.co.uk where you can create your own account and check out some of these fantastic resources. Hello and welcome to another special edition of Two Mr. P's in a podcast with me, Mr. P. And the other Mr. P. And we are back for another one of our chinwag sessions and we are delighted to be joined by the author of The Accidental Diary of Bug, or B-U-G, Bug? Bug, I Bug, say there Bug. There we go. It's yeah. Jen Carney. Welcome, Jen. How are you doing today? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, really happy to be here chatting to you guys on this very sunny day. It is. The sunshine's <laughs> finally arrived. I know. Um, but we're just having it for the day, I, I suspect. It's, I um, heard somewhere that we're going to get snow next week, so a bit of a yeah, weird yeah. weather. Textbook <laughs> Britain, that in it. Textbook oh, yeah. Britain. <laughs> yeah, sunny weather one day and then, yeah, snowstorms the next. So um, we always start with with the first question of asking how lockdown's treating you i know we're sort of starting slowly but surely to come out the other side but how's it how's it all been for you it's been okay it's been for me a bit of a juggling act because i have three children and um trying to write books and get on with our life and it's just been a bit of a juggling act really especially the first one when the nurseries were shut because uh My little list is at nursery, so trying to homeschool and entertain a little one and try and get bits of work done. We've just had to kind of, we had to reorganise our routine. So I'm really pleased to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And on the other hand, it's been all right from the fact that we've all had a lot of time together. Been a bit stir crazy at times, but it's been nice. We went on bike rides and did lots of walking, you know, stuff like that. So there's always a positive to be brought out of these situations, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm quite lucky. Like my kids are, are that little bit old. I mean, I think it's been a little bit tricky for you, Adam, because yours are younger, aren't they? Yeah. So in the first lockdown, my I've got I've got a boy who's just turned two and I've got a yeah. little 
Gurley's close to five. And in the first lockdown, I was kind of really loving it because my son uh, walked for the first time and I kept Aww. thinking, like, oh, if it wasn't lockdown, I'd have probably missed that. True. But then since he started doing that, it's been kind of hard work squared and I'm and I'm running out of gas now. I'm I'm seriously <laughs> feel like I'm done. I, I'm I'm kind of thinking like would I have taken not seeing his first steps just so I didn't have to deal deal with all the stuff after it. But um yeah it's it funny is. That you I, spend... I, sorry. I was just gonna say you spend ages thinking, come on, take your first step, come on. Exactly. Like, okay, yeah. now stay still. <laughs> it's the classic like don't wish your time away and um but yeah, I, I I agree with what you said. I think it's important that you focus on the positives. I mean, there has been days where it's been really grim, really down. And then there's, you know, days like when it was this kind of weather at the yeah. start of the first lockdown, it was, you know, we're in the garden, cracking open some day beers and stuff, which is, which is rare. Um, <laughs> but, you know, now it's just a case of like, come on, I, I want to, I want normality now. Yeah, yeah. It was much easier with the sunny weather. It was a bit oh. hard over Christmas, wasn't it, with uh, being stuck indoors and stuff? But definitely, yeah. And I think not this, long this, till June. This last lockdown has been the tough one because I think in the yeah. first one as well, with the expectation around schools, it was all sort of yeah, just try and do a little something, just try and get whatever you can done. Whereas come January, it was like a strict schedule of here's all the work you need to do, and it was just uh, yeah. Grueling, yeah, to I say could the see least. that through my own children doing their homeschool. It was quite rigid and um, very timetabled and stuff. This last one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're pleased that you've uh, been able to join us. We were just saying before that you are our first UK guest that has actually worked in the classroom. Um, oh, and we'll, yeah, and we'll, we'll get, get on to that a little bit later. But first, let's talk about your debut book, which is going to be released on the 15th of April. The title character is a girl called Billy or, uh, or Billy Upton Green, which is B-U-G Bug for short. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, sure. So um, it, Billy is the diary writer herself, and she's um, 10 years old, and she's in year five. And she's a bit of a cheeky little girl uh, quite feisty but she's also um really honest and she's got a bit of a knack of um making all the everyday things that happen at school and at home and in her life um funny and making funny observations about them and writing them down and, and it's all stuff that children will relate to all a lot of daft stuff like um bemoaning why um, our words can't be spelled phonetically and um, marvelling about the fact that she's come across this ice cream that if you eat it, the, your next poo will be grey <laughs> and um, the dangers of not grabbing a PE partner quick enough and uh, wondering why her mum always stuffs something remotely healthy into every baked thing that she makes, like carrot yeah. or something. And, um, and so in the diary that she writes, all these kind of incidental um, anecdotal things and lots of interactive pages and daft game ideas and doodles and stuff are all kind of knitted together so that it also tells a story as well so as well as there being a diary there is a kind of overarching story so basically um, a few days into the diary um, a new pupil joins Billy's class and for a few different reasons um, Billy doesn't 
quite hit it off with her and see eye to eye with her. And um, then not long after this new girl has joined her class, um, a purse goes missing from the school staff room. And um, this mystery surrounding this missing purse forms a bit of a big part of the diary and Billy uses it to kind of um, like air her suspicions about who the thief is with high suspicions on this new pupil. And um, it's just a really funny book and it's very daft, but it does kind of contain important issues like resolving problems and not judging people on appearance and accepting differences and um, thinking about why somebody might behave a certain way or so, say yeah. a certain thing kind of thing. Oh, brilliant. So where did the inspiration for the character of Billy come from? Was it based on yourself? I mean, it was funny, some of those observations you were making there, you say a lot of children will relate to them. Um, I was just going, actually, I think about that a lot of the time. Yeah, Not true. necessarily, you know, getting a partner straight away in PE. Because we always say that as teachers, don't we? We're like, oh, just, you don't have to pick your friends. Yeah. You don't have, but then we're massive hypocrites because when it comes to a staff meeting where you've got to work together in a group, you, you go straight to the person you get on best with. There's nothing worse than be, you know, when children say, can we pick your own, can we pick our own partners? Every teacher says, no, you can't. <laughs> then in a staff meeting, if you're told that you've got to sit in your phase or with your part, you know, your year group partner who you might not necessarily get onto, <laughs> it, just, it just ruins the whole staff meeting, doesn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. They won't too, yeah, adults would relate to a lot of the things in because a lot of it comes from a parent's perspective as well. Yeah. Um, but but where Billy, um, she's not, she's a bit like me because I've always been um, a terrible speller. That's one of her things, and uh, yeah. I like some of the same things as her. But me now, not me when I was ten. You know, she's yeah, yeah. so she's she's much more confident than when I was uh, 10. So she is a character. She's not really based on anybody I know. Some of the things that happen to her are based upon things that have happened to us as a family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the inspiration for the whole book really came from something my son said to me, which was, um, you know, he, he's never been an avid reader. Uh, he was like um, more, more of a refusalist than a reluctant reader. But then when he was about 11, and he's 16 now, um, he started reading loads of um, funny books. And as a teacher, I knew the power of a funny book for a reluctant yeah. reader. I was like pil piling in with all these funny books thinking, come on, come on. And often it was just because they contained loads of pictures and he just yeah. liked to look at the pictures and pretend he was reading, you know, and I knew that, but I was just trying, you know, going with it. And one night he said, um, you know, I like these books, but why do, why do these books never contain um, families like ours? you know a funny book with a family like ours and and by that he's got two mums and that's what he meant he just wanted to see his own reality um yeah. reflected in the kind of book that he liked so that that got me thinking and I've always written um books and stories and um even when I was a teacher it was one of my favorite parts of the job you know so I thought well if he really wants a book like this I'll, and I can't find one I'll write one for him so I did so I wrote this book and I packed it with all the kinds of things that he liked and all incidentally always you know representing his reality and um he really liked it so so that was great and like this was like 2016 ish I just set it to one side um and then when my daughter who's 10 now was probably eight coming on up for nine yeah 
she she was looking for something to read and I, and I remembered it and gave it to her and uh, she thought it was really funny too and and she was saying things like oh I, she loves the fact that it is this character has two mums and she, she thought it was really funny but she said I wish it was a real book because I want to take it into school and then all the children can read it and and that got me thinking oh well okay maybe I should try and do something about trying to get this published so kind of tweaked it a bit and I was thinking well if I can get a book like this into the hands of all sorts of children um maybe children like my own or but also children who don't maybe often come across families who are a bit different than their own I thought it might be a really good way of kind of nurturing a bit of empathy and raising tolerance for difference and um you know even just sparking conversations so yeah yeah that inspiration from my children for the book really I think that's amazing and I, I love the message and I, and I think it is uh, so true that you know for children to see something like that uh, it will help them like you said um, but if I was your son there and I knew that I'd inspired the idea I would be putting some sort of some sort of uh, you know contract in there of you know the original idea came from me so <laughs> You know, I know you've got a publishing deal now, so you know, yeah. cut me in. I'd, I honestly, it's like when, <laughs> it's like when I make, used to make my dad buy a scratch card, and then if we ever won on that scratch card, I'd be like, I need some of that money. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I was the reason why you bought it. So yeah, I, I, I'm 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 hoping that your son's going to get cut in. <laughs> I mean, there have been murmurs along those lines of yeah, you know, you know why was the idea behind this, and mm. and then my daughter was saying, and and don't forget, I was the person who took who gave you that push so that you would try and get it published. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how definitely. did how did you go about getting it published? Then what were the steps? How did it all sort of come about? Well, I'd kind of about 20 years ago I tried to break into the publishing industry and I'm, and really unsuccessfully because I was very I was young and I was very green about everything I didn't really know what I was doing so when when this story kind of I thought yeah this is a good one I did a lot more research and found out more about the terms that I didn't even have a clue about like having a literary agent and um they're the people who really sell the books into a publishing company. So I found um, an agent that I fancied. And this is quite un... Um, it's not quite a normal, but she was very interested in me as well, because I think some people really struggle with that part to find an agent who will take them on. So she really liked what I'd written and I really wanted her. So that part was quite easy. I got the reagent she liked it not very long so this was all in 2019 this was probably like um July 2019 yeah. and by the September she'd sold the book so Amazing. I was I was lucky really lucky yeah, I think it yeah. was um I, you know it's not like I just think I was in the right place at the right time with the right story that somebody was yeah. after yeah, it's interesting because I think like a story like what you've what you, you you're putting across, which is you know diverse and um, look, takes takes a look on that modern family, and you know maybe twenty years ago that wouldn't have got a look in with most yeah. publishers, would it? I think we've come a long way when it comes. To, I still think we've got a, a, a lot of work to do as far as representation right across children's literature, but I do think we're 
slowly but surely making strides. And I think, you know, teachers are really looking out for those books where, you know, children can feel represented. Um, you know, I'm reading one with my kids at the minute, uh, Little Bad Man by... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's hilarious, you know, so... Yeah, they're um, good, aren't they? But whether a book like you, you, you've described there, whether that would get published a few years back, I, I, I'm not so sure. I know I did, you know, at the time, I did have some kind of positive feedback, even though I'd directly gone to the publishers, which is not really the dumb thing to say, yeah. you know, you've got a good voice and we really quite like these stories that you've written. Um, but it, it just always fizzled out and never really went anywhere. So that's really, I never gave up writing, but I kind of did everything you know did all lots of other jobs and and stuff and it's kind of come full circle that I've gone back to where I started and I've, yeah. you know I was still writing about similar issues um, in a similar manner really and tried lots of different um, genres and stuff but I've come all the way back to where I actually wanted to be and what I wanted to write about so for me I, you know I'm, I'm really I'm really made up about it yeah, yeah there's a lesson in there isn't there about never giving up <laughs> definitely there? definitely yeah. that's true Absolutely. And and I'm right in thinking you've illustrated the book as well. I have, yeah. yeah. You know, that, yeah. That's another thing about uh, how, um, you know, green I was about everything. So when I sent my manuscripts off to my um, agent, when she'd said, yeah, yeah, um, I just um, kind of hand-drawn some doodles. And I, and I like drawing, and I'm not that bad at drawing. I'd hand-drawn them, and I'd just scanned them with a scanner and put them into a Word document and, and sent it off. And, and it was all accepted and okay. But once I once she sold the book, um, I made the move into digital art, and I was a bit reluctant at first because I like pen and paper, and I'm not, I'm not yeah. that brilliant with technology. Um, but actually... I love it now. I absolutely love it. So I use a tablet and uh, it, it's made it all so much easier because when you're drawing the pictures for your book, you've you've often got to redraw them or redraw mm. them in a different size or um, do it slightly differently. And, and I just think, gosh, if I had to keep doing that and sending them physically or scanning like kind of poor quality copies of them it'd be so hard but with the with the tablet it's it's really good so I, I, I like it a lot hey there's benefits to the technology i know i bet you, you know, know all about them oh god i knew he was as soon as you used the word technology there he was chomping at the bit he was trying <laughs> to contain himself no but i think it's a good example because you do come across some people and there's plenty of teachers who are so sort of dismissive and have a sort of negative approach to technology. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of negatives alongside it. But, you know, I think when it's utilised in the right way, it can be such an incredibly powerful tool um, to allow people like yourself, just anyone to, to express themselves in, in different ways. It was like what you were saying there before about um, the spelling that you're, a, you're not so, so good. I was going to say you're a terrible speller. They were your words, not, not mine. I am a terrible speller. Yeah. I will say it. I am. <laughs> I'm with you, by the way. I'm, I'm spelling. I'm awful. Like, I get sweat still now when I have to write a word on the board. <laughs> that I have to write a word on the board, and I'm still not sure about, <laughs> you know, like, I before E except after C, which is yeah, the yeah. worst spelling rule in the world, by the way, because... <laughs> There are actually more words in the English language that have that are the other way around. Are there? Yeah. You know, so um, 
But yeah, the way technology can help with that, I always have my iPad close by. So if I am unsure, it's a quick Siri, how do you spell? Oh, yeah. yeah. Friends or Funny, Funnily enough, um, the reason that the book is called The Accidental Diary of Bug is because um, actually, Billy's quite good at turning negative situations into positives or getting yeah. out and doing what she's told, really. And um, the book is given to her as a spellings jotter because right. um, because a teacher says she needs to practice. And uh, what Billy does then is think, well, she hates spellings. So she uses it to her, her advantage and she immediately, so it's really more accidentally on purpose than accidental. She immediately repurposes it into this diary that she writes in every time she's supposed to be going to sleep because spellings are her biggest kind of bugbear. And yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you'll probably enjoy, like the O-U-G-H ending and... Um, mnemonics about spellings and saying well you know big elephants can always understand small elephants well no maybe maybe not what if this one's african and this one's indian no, no <laughs> never not always the case so, yeah. and, and my son also um hates spellings and um i always i always want to say to children i always used to say to children and uh, spellings is, is not that important because in, in real life you know your computer will correct it for you and right. help you and you can ask google and siri and all this kind of thing and you can be a brilliant storyteller and a brilliant anything you want without being a brilliant speller so even though you know yeah let's try and learn them it's not the be all and end all of uh, yeah, yeah. your life so yeah yeah <laughs> how are you with spellings adam do you know what? I, I, I'm. I think I'd shock quite a few people. You know, I, I'm all right at spelling. I, you know, I still. When you're talking about writing on the board, I think every Wednesday in February is a nervous one. <laughs> you're like you're like Wednesday February every yeah. every time without fail. That is what I do. And this yeah, is my, our live Rary day. Yeah, my spelling. My spelling's okay. I remember being in primary school and I was. I think it was about year one year two and i was i was right up there i always remember i was the only one in the class to spell police right <laughs> and i was i know and i was so buzzing like i, I remember standing up and just being like you know whoop, whoop, that's hey. the sound of the police which i spelt right <laughs> boom yeah so now i'm not that bad yeah oh. but i do not that bad <laughs> In, in one of the one of the next books, the teacher is uh, doing a similar thing that she's trying to write archaeologist on the board. And there's this lad in the class who's really, really clever and uh, like teaches the teacher how to spell these words. So, yeah, there's a bit there is a big spelling thing on it, but it's funny. It's not it's not serious. <laughs> is, that, is that child based on someone you've had in your classroom? Because don't get me wrong, those children can be a pain in the backside, but they can also be an absolute lifesaver. The ones who, if you are unsure of something, you just give a little glance over, like, have I got that right? And the child's just giving you a nod of approval. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, he's called Elliot. He's not really based on anybody from real life. But like like you, when I was a teacher, you know, somebody asked me to spell something, right, well, this is a very good opportunity to see, does anybody in this class know how to spell this particular word? Let's have a look. And Oh, shall we get our dictionaries out, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> There's not, not much go. internet when I was teaching. This was, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I'll have to give that a go, challenge the children rather than yeah, bring it back definitely. on me. Flip, yeah. reverse it. Yeah, yeah. I was teaching in the late 90s, early 2000s, so... There were no Google to just um, 
I'll just check on Google or anything. So it was a bit different. <laughs> How did you survive? I know. How did we, any of us survive life? Were you still in the days of the old overhead projectors, uh, the kind of see-through sheets? Well, well when I was at school, when personally as a child, we had loads of OHPs, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, yeah. I think we did use OHPs to like... Um, the words for hymns and whatnot yeah in the same yeah, because I, I was i was still in i was still in primary school uh 99 2000 i'm sure i left primary good school. grief i could have been your teacher oh my god yeah look at you <laughs> look at you that you weren't eh? <laughs> yeah trust me trust me i'd have been like police is spelt like p-o-l <laughs> you were that child <laughs> you're looking at the real life elliot <laughs> oh no i couldn't be further from the truth um <laughs> But I'm with you. That the child that you need, you always need it. Like, and sometimes they'll they'll go a bit OTT and they'll try and correct you, even though you're right. And then you get to like sit them down. No, no, I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> you know, police is spelt right. And then you get the times where I say you're going through maths answers and you're just kind of going through them dead quickly, but you haven't got the answers. And then you go and go like 82, and then the one kid goes, it's 81. I'm glad someone's paying attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're a blessing and a curse. Unperfect. Yeah. They're a blessing and a curse, though, because they're the sort of children who, you know, when you're having one of those afternoons where whatever whatever the reason you might be feeling under, under the weather and you just set the children off with a task, hoping it keeps them quiet for about 10 minutes. And then that that's the same child who, after a minute, goes, finished. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. like, pardon? finished <laughs> like, we'll check over it i have yeah but then always always time... need something very open-ended for those situations where there's <laughs> yeah. a reason to end really <laughs> but at the same time they're the ones who bail you out of every observation because they're your banker we've talked about the bankers before where it's just like anyone know the answer to this elliot elliot please elliot yeah <laughs> <Not> yeah <laughs> <laughs> hmm. so is the uh, is the book is it a series did you say have you got other books is it the same sort of characters same story um because yeah I'm... well um this series is currently three books so i've right. already written all three of them actually yeah so um yeah so that's nice the second book is um for is they're all they're all told from billy's point of view they're all her diaries and they're all in a similar fun format with interactive stuff and lots of pictures um, the second one focuses on the fact that her class are chosen to star in an advert about um, school uniforms. So there's a big school uniform theme and Billy's desire to become what she calls advert famous. Um, and it's got a lot of game ideas in it. H have you guys ever played the game Sniff? No. Mm, no. So this apparently is a thing that my son um, played and my daughter said, oh, yeah, we did that. We did that. So apparently in a classroom, you can completely identify whose jumper belongs to which pupil just by sniffing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do that. And uh, they yeah. say this is a, this is a real thing. So there's, the, there's all these daft game ideas. And yeah. oh, there's, a, oh, there's I... a big secret in book two that is revealed. That's a bit of a life changing thing for Billy that then comes to fruition in book three. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Number two's out in August and number three's out in January. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I used to have a child in the class. That was their classroom job. You know, you have some children handing out whiteboards. 
I just had one child who was like the hound dog who just sniffed jumpers. If you, yeah. didn't put your, if you didn't put your name in, it'd be given to whoever it was. George, right, George, who's that? Sniff it. Oh, yeah. it's Annabelle's. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Sausage rolls, I know who that is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, though. They have their, their individual scent, and sometimes it's not the nicest. Um, but then you've got the ones that, you know, smell like lovely, just know. You know, like, Amy, there you go. Yeah. And then oh, you got God, the one this like, washing powder. Yeah, and then the one that just <laughs> smells like bacon because they've clearly had bacon in the morning. It's just kind of like, oh, Georgie boy. Yeah. <laughs> I've brown or red this morning, lad. Yeah. <laughs> but you can never you can never smell your own scent, so I always worry what I will smell like. To don't worry. People. Don't worry. Everyone can smell your scent. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I always say. You can't smell your own, so you know, don't mind me because I tell my children, you know, you need a shower. I need to tell you because who else is going to tell you? We need yeah. to we need to talk about these smells. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then something we spotted in your bio is that you enjoy, and I quote, dismantling biscuits. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Was that Actually, something? there's a big there's a big biscuit focus through all three books. So is there? as a family, we're dead passionate about biscuits and the way that you should eat them. So, you know, like if you, for example, had a custard cream or a bourbon, how, how would you eat it, Adam? Uh, I Personally, I just take, I just go for it, bite. Oh, you see, you see, you, you're just trying to rile me, I can tell. <laughs> so, so we always, you know, take off the top layer and, scrape out the cream with our teeth and that yeah. and a Kit Kat, you snap it, you nibble all the chocolate off it until you've got just a bit of wafer. And not a bit messy and... though. I, I, I'm not a massive fan of crumbs. It's like where, when you get like a Greg's sausage roll and then <laughs> you try and be dead tactical, you hold some underneath it and then you look down and it's suddenly like you've got all of the sausage roll on you. That's the same with the biscuits. I like to get it in and get it gone. Even though I have to say I'm not, you know, custard creams and bourbons, I'm not really, they're not really on my list. But if I was going to eat them, like the odd, like, you know, school have biscuits all the time, don't they? Uh, you know, I, I just like to do it quick and get it done so I'm not messy. Yeah. Like, you think, well, that's nib- where... I was nibbling. I'd have, I'd have crumbs in my beard. I'd have, I'd have it all over the shop. <laughs> well, well, we're the opposite because we do like playing with our food and uh, <laughs> we're always in a bit of a mess. And, um, I'm, not so in the custard, I'm not a fan yeah. of custard creams, by the way. I could say I'd love bourbons, but... You're not a fan of custard creams? No, would not. Only. I, I interview would, I'd rather that. not have a biscuit. <laughs> I mean... This interview could close. <laughs> yeah, bourbons, all over bourbons. Um, yeah, bo- bourbons were a luxury when I was uh, yeah. growing up. Custard creams, yeah, they're a bit more standard, but they're, they're very humble, but they're very mighty. No, not for me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, love- what what Billy and her two best friends do? Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, they right. they come up with this set of laws that are about how how specifically biscuits should be eaten, and um, the the it, it goes through all the books. And in book two, even the prime minister becomes involved in these set of biscuit laws that she um, invents. So. Yeah, you would go against all of them, Adam, I expect. <laughs> but um, they are quite funny. <laughs> what is your go-to? What's your top top three biscuits then? Well, you know, I really like um, a Tunnock's tea cake. Right, and again, yeah. I take all the chocolate off before having the goop. Um, yeah. Do I do like a custard cream. So definitely a custard cream. And um, 
if I was picking a chocolate biscuit, it has to be something with a lot of chocolate over it. Um, yeah. You know, like a club where you've got a good chocolate to biscuit ratio. How about, yeah. how about you guys? Club clubs are clubs are a throwback, aren't they? They're, our dad, are they? Our, our dad used to love buying if clubs. If you like a Mink lot clubs. of chocolate on your biscuit, join us. Join our club. <laughs> I, I, it's like I said, I, I'm a. I like to drop this. I'm a type one diabetic, so I don't have that many biscuits. But like going from memory, I, I like. That's why it. it's I, fast for Adam. He tries to yeah. trick his in. He tries to trick his thing. If you do it quick enough. It's not gonna. It's not gonna try. That's my blood sugar. No, I didn't have anything. I swear. Um, you I, 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 tell you, I like a malted milk. Yeah, right? yeah. biscuits. I think they're all right. I like. Um, I like the pink panther ones. There. There. Like a pink, a pink wafer. A pink wafer. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. I don't, but then. Yeah, but yeah, but pink panthers on the front of it, in it, and then no. there's like other one. Yeah, it is the pink panthers on the front of that. Of a pink wafer. Yeah. Um. Right. I'm gonna. Oh, it. trust me. I'm I am gonna... not. I'm not sure the pink panthers on it. But... Oh my god! Right. Let me just but... wait. Let me just get it. But there's a. But then if you get pink wafers from anywhere else, um, they're not as good as the pink panther ones. Oh, they yeah, are. Look. Uh, they're called pink panther wafers. Yeah, okay. Iceland, there. There we go, look. Can we see that? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, there is. We, we're, yeah. Um, we're more of an oldies old brand, so look, we don't Looks like there's panther. a new king of biscuits in town. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know which ones I like? I can't remember the name of them, but it's like one side chocolate. It's like in a rectangle. Oh, I know, a, a, Leib a Leibniz. Is that what they're called? A, a, a yeah, Leib yeah. Leibniz. It's like a dotted like biscuit. France. Yeah. 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 And, All and... these biscuits that you've mentioned are in the books. The, the pink wafers are in them, and the, the I can't say it, but I think it's Leibniz. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I love it. Do you know them? Bis, is it Biscoff? Biscoffs. Oh yeah, hairdresser yeah. biscuits. Right. They they are everywhere now, aren't they? Like you know, you see drinks with them Biscoff things in, cakes yeah. with all of them. I'd never seen or heard of them until about a year ago. Oh, well, I, I always used to get them in the hairdressers. So I knew yeah. them as hairdresser biscuits. But you're right, you, you get them in smoothies and all yeah, sorts they're, now, they're don't absolutely you? Absolutely everywhere now. Yeah, ice yeah. cream man. Wayne's Whippies round here. Loves a biscoff or whatever you call it. Yeah, they're nice. You can actually get that because my daughter's a massive fan of all anything sweet. You know, like you can get a Nutella or whatever. Yeah, you can so get that that in a spread as well yeah, now, that yeah, biscuit. Yeah. Our ice cream man is, is we live really close to each other. So our ice cream man, Wayne, he's top drop. What he's got going at the minute, you can get an ice cream where it's half uh, an Easter egg. So like mm. half a dairy milk Easter egg with your ice cream in. And then you pick your toppings, so you can have like biscoffy biscuits, crumbs, and like a mini egg sauce or Ooh, mini eggs. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. He'll probably be out today. Well, hopefully, yeah, he might come a bit, a little bit later, and I can get uh, my twist cone, my twist cone whippy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, see, something else that you might want to try is: does he do a cone like a like a wafer cone? You know, with like blue um, sherbet around the top. Yeah, yeah. Does yeah. he do that? Because yeah. that's the that's the type of ice cream that, and, and maybe if you even have blue ice cream, that that if you the next time you go to the toilet, your poo would be more grey. 
That's See, I was going. I was going to ask about that because that's been playing on my mind ever since <laughs> you uh, you said it at the start of the episode. It was like when you said about eating different ice cream that changes your color. It takes me back to we had a dog when we were younger called Toby, and he was an absolute little rascal. And then one one uh, random day, he ended up getting a pack of Crayola crayons, and he ate he ate them all. And then for about two days later, every poo he had was like the like green red blue oh it was insane and He's i always remember the, the white rainbow one. yeah it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable i mean i was glad he had the white crayon because it's surplus to requirements anyway <laughs> but he, 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 he laid a beautiful white poo I, i've never seen yeah, anything yeah. like it so i didn't know it could happen to to humans yeah, yeah, true story, because it happened to my daughter, that's how we knew it, but your dog sounds like it was turning into a unicorn with the early colourful <laughs> poos coming out. It wasn't as magic as a unicorn, because he bit the neighbour and we had to give him away. <laughs> oh, poor dog. Bless him. Um, so, so talk us through your career in, in school then. So... Um, you said you were a teacher. Were you a teacher initially, or am I right in thinking you started as a TA? Is that right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I worked as a TA, um, and I was kind of supporting booster groups in years five and six. Yeah. And then I kind of did a bit of a specialism in uh, supporting um, children with autism or autistic children. So I did some kind of one-to-one type work with yeah. certain children, and then. And then I thought, you know, I can just do a PGCE and um, and become a, a, you know, a fully fledged teacher. So I, I did that, yeah. And uh, I went to work at a school in Warrington and I worked mostly in year five, a bit of year six. And then um, I've done some work in year two. Um, but yeah, I didn't stay in teaching very long, if I'm honest. I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't leave because I was dissatisfied. I left because I wanted to do some traveling. And um, so I went traveling around the world. And when I came back from my trip, um, it was kind of mid- midway through a half term and there were no jobs really. And I saw this job advertised for this um, literacy charity. Right. And it was about engaging the community in um, literacy and projects and stuff so I just went for that job and I got it and I never I didn't leave that job for a while and and I went into teaching adults then and teaching the community so I stayed in teaching but I left schools yeah I was going to ask what was it that uh made you leave because yeah it is it is an issue with a lot of teachers sort of retention Um, yeah it is what year was it that you left that you went traveling um it was 2003 right okay so, yeah. so it's a while ago now yeah, um yeah, yeah. and things i also simpler I, back then it was an easy you are. things were simpler back then i think it was i think we had a bit more freedom in yeah. uh what we could do yeah. um definitely yeah i'm not i'm not sure that i would be a great teacher in t- i'd be fun teacher and the kids would definitely learn something but i don't think ofsted would approve of me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've started come in and, and all the class would be there nibbling biscuits. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I was that teacher that, you know, when somebody farts in assembly, I'm stifling my own laughter. And just, oh, who did that? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm also, I've, I've done some acting as well. I, I actually work with a, 
theatre and education company for a while and um, I was acting, I was doing this play that was about Tutankhamun and, and bringing that to life for the children and I worked in a museum and we did a, a lot of runs of this play and um, those are the things that I love doing with the children so when I was teaching I used to write plays about the history topics that we were um, doing and put those on. I always remember we did this um, one about Theseus and the Minotaur and um, this lad had this big ball of string that he was taking around the hall and we had, um, you probably won't even remember this, but the Daniel Beddingfield track called You've Gotta Get Through This. Oh yeah. Do we remember da Daniel Beddingfield? <laughs> the living legend, the standout star from Band Aid 20. <laughs> that playing over the top and it, and it was all those, it was those yeah. things that I loved about teaching, just getting the children's imagination going and their juices flowing, you know, about stuff. Yeah. So. And it's a shame because I just don't think we, like you say, I just don't think we have as much freedom to do that. I think you've got to be a real renegade in yeah. a school and sort of go against the grain to, to do those sort of fun, fun activities. Um, Which is a shame. It's oh, a shame, absolutely. isn't it? Yeah, that's a shame. Let's, let's be honest, you know, the way that things have changed and the focus that's of our curriculum and how it's so focused on, you know, uh, the technical side of things like writing, it, I, I just don't see it having such a huge impact. You know, the kids that we were teaching back then, the same as what they are now, not, you know, they're still learning stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like it's dramatically changed children um, so that they are now, you know, incredibly better writers than they were back then. In fact, I, I talked about this on a course recently. I got, because I started teaching in 2007, which was just at the end. I think it's when they brought, or my NQT year was when they were transitioning into the newer curriculum. So yeah. before that, it was like the first national curriculum. Then we went to the like national literacy framework. And then obviously I've it's since gone to the curriculum we teach now. And I remember getting writing from my NQT year when you had all of that freedom and you could do as much drama as you want. And, you know, it was it was just so much more engaging and, and it was so much more focused on the storytelling rather than the actual technical side, which is what it seems to be now. And I was comparing it to writing the children are doing now. And I think the writing children do now is so much worse because the actual story and the, the, the creativity within the story is nowhere near as important or given anywhere near as much time, attention or um, focus. And I just think it's a real shame because ultimately like with yourself, it wasn't the technical side of how you were writing. It was the story behind it. It was the, you know, the characters and like you said, the messages of the empathy and diversity. That's what's, well, I'm, I'm assuming here, has, has got the book published, not necessarily the, ins and outs of the full stops the fronted adverts yeah. or that sort of jazz i mean before before my children were in like key stage two i, I hadn't a clue what a fronted adverbial was or, or you know all these you know this is a relative clause whatever um I, I you know I, I think you know it's in you that if you're lucky that you you can just form a good sentence and you know you know you know what how to write it um yeah then then I completely get your point, and I think you know we're in danger of getting a very stilted generation of children who all write with sir, comma, da 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 da, da. Yeah. and every sentence is like that. 
and then on the other side of the coin for some children who do really really struggle with a blank piece of paper to give them a little bit of structure to get them going I don't think it's a massively bad thing all the time I mean I would hate to think that all my children's English lessons were focused on what's this part of a sentence called and what's this called but I think for some children, giving them a framework can help them to get going, as long as it's not the main focus all the time. Yeah. 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 And going back to what you're saying there about your love for for drama, do you see with your book the potential for it to be turned into, who knows, a TV show, a cartoon, or potentially a movie? That'd be fantastic. That's that's where the money is. Oh, God. I remember we had an author come into our school a few years back, and he and he was doing workshops with the children and stuff. And um, we were sort we had like an after school training session with him. And he just started talking about um, you know his 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 career as an author. And he said that he came so close to one of his books being um, turned into a film, like a Hollywood film. And he wow. said it would have just completely ch- he would never have had to work again a day in his life because it would have just been so sort of lucrative. Um, so that's got, that's got to be, is that in the back of the mind? Is that the possibility? Is that the hope, the dream? It, no, it's not. It, I mean, it'd be amazing. I'm not, I wouldn't turn it down. That's for sure. But it's not yeah. something I've really given much thought to, but uh, my book has been likened a little bit to like a wimpy kid style book yeah. and they've got three films in one. I don't know how many films he's got loads of films and he and, uh, yeah. um, so that'd be cool. Um, but it could, it could be like a little series on the CBBC or something. You know, it's all very relevant to today's children. So, yeah, who if knows? You need any, if you need any teacher cameos, yeah, don't, uh, you know, don't forget us. And I can yeah. also be a, a different colour stunt poo. If you need to, <laughs> I'm more than willing to test the ice cream out and give you what's needed <laughs> the following day. Maybe oh, we should put... Good. Maybe we should put that as a stipulation. Like, if it gets picked up, you're like, listen, I'll sell you the rights, but the teachers need to be played by these two yeah. guys. We need this authenticity in, that, in yeah. it. We need real teachers. I mean, can, there's, a, there's a bit of a strict um, headmaster in the book. You know, can you be a, a very strict, like, no laughing kind of head oh, teacher? Yeah. Just see me in the or, classroom or can you each find day. One? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm man. Teaching I'm is man. acting, really, in a lot of ways. Exactly. They never get that right, do they? Whenever you watch anything on TV where it features schools and teachers, you never get what it's like <laughs> in real life. It's so, so we've, we've talked about this previously in the podcast, haven't we, Adam, about how rubbish our uh, teachers are represented on the TV. What, what do you mean? What, like, they're not realistic? And... Well, yeah, I mean... I'm trying to you never look it. stressed out. They always look a million dollars. Oh, right. Okay. And it's just like, you know, in normal circumstances in February, the stress of the board, having to write the date on the board alongside just the stress <laughs> of life. You know, you're going you're gonna to arrive in class. You're going to be kind of stressy, you know, short, sometimes a little bit short and, and having to fit everything into your school day. You know, on TV, it's just kind of like, do you know what, guys? Close your books. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You're gonna just close your eyes, guys. We're gonna do. It doesn't happen. Absolute no. rubbish. I I go I go I nitpick at little little details. So you know, um, I'm trying to find, think of an example off the top of my head now. 
Uh, but you know, like in Nativity, I made a video on my Facebook page where I was like, this is why it's so unrealistic. And I know it's all very tongue in cheek, but it sort of triggers me where it's like, hang on, he's you know, the teacher in Nativity, he cycles yeah. into work in the morning. Where's all his marking? There's no <laughs> way he can cycle with bags upon bags of marking. It's yeah. Completely unreal. It just gives a very false sense of what it actually is like in the classroom. Yeah, I, I get your point. Back in the day, Waterloo Road was a nightmare because the teachers would leave at half three with the children. They'd just be walking out like, good day today, Sarah. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. It's like, hang on a second. You're in a twilight until half six. You've then got, <laughs> you know, I'm not one for nitpicking. And there was an, what no. was the other one? There's another one. I think it was like, I'm not sure if it was, but you know, you know the bodyguard? Remember that one? The bodyguard yeah. came out of Game of Thrones. Yeah, there was a real kerfuffle in that one because there were teachers on the playground. There was something about a potential attack on a school. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember? And there was teachers yeah. in in the playground with uh, mugs with no lids on. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Every teacher. You like, do. You do look out for all the detail. <laughs> yeah, it goes. It's not health and safety. You need a lid on that mug. So, you know, I if, feel if like it... you're auditioning as that angry head teacher. Here. Yeah, and you've got the part, correct. actually. You know, we won't well, use any. I'm holding it. We won't that. use any artistic license. Everything will be extremely true to life. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it just needs someone to consult and I could just be on set sort of being like, that wouldn't happen in real life. Uh, yeah. Um... You look like you've had far too much sleep. Look more tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be more stressed. Uh, <laughs> Um, so let's talk about your your time at school. What were what were you like when you were at school? Was it a positive experience for you when you yeah, were there as a I, student? I, I really liked school. Um, I, I think it was more. It wasn't so much that I loved lessons, but I was one of those kids who just threw myself into all the um, extracurricular stuff. So, you know, I was in the all the school plays and the drama club and the choir and the and the sports teams and the school council and like netball and all this and regardless really of whether I was any good at them you know I I would always volunteer for them in fact I remember this one time they were doing these like athletics like town championships thing and where all your best people are put forward and um there were no, there was nobody were volunteering for the fifteen hundred meters, and and I, you know, I can run a hundred meters, all right, but I'm not a, longer than that, no. And because I was such an eager kind of beaver at school, I was like, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. And so I ended up going to this kind of prestigious uh, event, like championship things, running this fifteen hundred meters, being like miles behind the the person who came second to last. But you know, I did it. That's the kind of person I was at school. I, yeah, I, I will do this because it was the right thing to do, and it's and it's not learning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, fair play. I mean, there'll be a lot of people who just mm-hmm. wouldn't even, you know, giving it a go. But yeah, did you? Yeah, think I, lo- you- I love. I love students like that though like like describing yourself there i absolutely love it and like, i do all the school sport in my school or or did before obviously the pandemic put a stop to it all and um i i kind of made it my mission for the last like eight nine years since i've been working in schools is to try and get at least every single member of year six to do some sporting activity to represent the school before they go to high school 
obviously you've got the you know large majority who love sport who want to do stuff then you've got the ones who really don't but it's about kind of just like encouraging them to get out of the comfort zone so something like that for them to you know uh offer to do something like a 1500 meters i mean i i we went to an athletics a few um years ago and it was and it's so tough the standard's so high and it, you know, we haven't got an athletics track or anything. So it was kind of like, you know, I went with really low expectations and there was a few races where it was a bit like, come on, keep going. And then you get the whole crowd doing the slow clap and you don't want to be the school that gets the slow clap. <laughs> um, but, you know, then some of the results were just like, you know, blew me away. So I love that. I think it's, I think if you've got that attitude where you're kind of willing to do stuff and, and take yourself out of the comfort zone, I think it stands you in good stead, really. Oh, that that's good. And it's really good to hear that, you know, my, my daughter's school is the same. They'll they'll choose a variety of people to represent the um for, for different events. And I and I do I do really like that attitude to things so that everybody gets a chance and everybody is given a go. I mean there's definitely a place for let's take the best people and let's do this, but there's there's an equal place time for everybody have a turn and come on let's give it a go and yeah, yeah. Put, put yourself in a, in, a, in a out of your comfort zone like you say Adam I think that's yeah I think you've got to do that you got to have a balance of both don't you because yeah. uh, you know for some children when it comes to sport <laughs> that is their you know that is their bread and butter so to speak and so giving them an opportunity to compete I think is really important but then at the same time making it inclusive so everyone can have a go and ultimately just trying to get children to a you know, just constantly try and better themselves. So for some children, it's not that they necessarily have to compete against other people. It's more about competing against themselves and just sort of trying to better themselves each time. And, you know, that in itself can be a huge achievement if you, whatever it might be, if you're doing a race and you get a certain time, but then the next time you can beat it. And that can be just as big of an achievement as someone who, you know, wins a whole competition. So I think it's having a bit of both. Because the one thing I... I, I like I love my sport and I think it's it's incredibly important and I think obviously coming through this pandemic this week you know the kids are starting back at their their football and the rugby and that sort of thing which I just cannot wait for them to get back doing because I think it's such it plays such a huge role um in not just their physical but mental well-being as well um mm. you know there was a there was a phase where some schools went through that sort of non-competitive side of things with sports days and stuff. And I just, I'm like, no, 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 you've got to have both. You've got to make sure that you're giving some children who excel. Cause I know there's some children in my uh, school who academically are never going to be near the top, but they do excel in sport. And so they need that out. Like they need the opportunity to, you know, compete and, test themselves against other children from other schools maybe but like say at the same time making sure that everyone gets an opportunity to represent the school and like just step outside the comfort zone and be given the opportunity to better themselves I think you know really really important so uh, a healthy balance of both is what I uh what I think definitely yeah definitely a balance yeah absolutely so to going back to your school days, then, is there any stories that you can share with us? Um, stories that you might still remember now that you still look back and have a good giggle about because of just, you know, 
things that went on in school because that's what the podcast is all about we just constantly share funny stories so is there anything that you can share with us yeah I'm forever still talking about my own school days because uh, they were really fun and and good so I remember this one time when I was at uh, primary school yeah. And I was in uh, the top infants, so that's like year two now. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother was in the top class, so year six. And one day we'd got the our uh, packed lunches muddled up. Um, and the problem was that I only liked plain cheese sandwiches at that time. And he had cheese and chutney. And I didn't like chutney. So um, I, I said to my teacher, um, I've got the wrong sandwiches you know, it's a bit upset. I've got some sandwiches. <laughs> so she was like, well, "Go, go up to the, um, go up to Robert's class and um, explain, and just you know, you can swap." So I, I was a bit shy of talking to other adults at that time. So it was only like seven or whatever. So I went up into this classroom, and at that time, this teacher who was in the year six class, she was like this really um, foreboding Scottish lady. Um, so I was kind of like shaking. I said, I've got, I need to swap sandwiches with my brother because I've got the wrong ones. And she was like, what's wrong with your sandwiches? <laughs> like, well, and that was all I could get out of my mouth. So she got the both lunchboxes um, in, in front of her and she inspected them. And she was like, and, and also this, your lunchbox has, it's another biscuit thing. Your lunchbox has a Tunnock's tea cake in it. <laughs> and your brother's doesn't. And in my mind, I knew that my brother had already eaten his Tunnock's tea cake, but I was too shy to say, you think he's already eaten, is it mine? So what she did, instead of swapping these sandwiches over, she swapped the whole lunchbox over. Oh, no. So I lost my snack, you know, my biscuit snack that I was really wanted. So that was one thing. And then because of everything that I'd said, um, from then on, and it still happens now, all my brother's friends called me Chutney. Chutney, Chutney, it's Chutney. <laughs> so, so that was a funny one. I love how something like that can stick with you. Could something like that 100% sticks with me? If I lose out on any sort of food or savoury yeah. snacks, uh, it's, it's unforgivable stuff. Yeah. Or it's more about if your sibling gets something that you don't. That's what. Yeah, exactly. It was the injustice of it all. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe he was in cahoots with the the teacher, like listen, teacher, <laughs> whatever she was called. No, I think she just really liked him, and she was giving him yeah, something yeah. extra. She knew, she knew. <laughs> that she was, was in my on it. Bit. She was in on it. She got half a tea cake. Yeah. Like, hey, listen, yeah. laddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just make like sure, that. She was like, "What's sure wrong with these sandwiches?" <laughs> make sure you bite the top off and take the goo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what were your favorite subjects at school what were the ones that you enjoyed the most am i taking a stab at saying english the fact that you've gone into writing yeah i did like english but i i, I really liked the creative writing side of english um, yeah. i was never keen on being made to read a certain book or studying a set text or anything but yeah writing um, I also always liked art and music and, and drama yeah, and history, which was good when I was able to link my drama and history together. Um, yeah, there was, yeah, I think those were my favourite subjects. I was more on the art side of things. Yeah. What was the worst? 
Um, I've never really been that good at science. Um, yeah. I don't think my brain is wired scientifically. My my wife and my eldest son, they're really sciencey brained. And, yeah. uh, you know, they'll they watch all the Brian Cox things and I'll sit there and try my best. Um, but I never, <laughs> I never really understand a lot of what they're going on about. Um, <laughs> when I was a teacher, those were the things, like if I was teaching a science lesson, that was the thing that I was like, God, I've got to really make sure I do proper research on this and make sure I'm saying the right, factually correct things about this. Mm. You know, you think, oh, what am I telling these children? But yeah. you do that, don't you? When you, you've got to teach all the subjects, you've got to know more than... Winging it, we call it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, science fills me with fear. It always has, always will. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, even when I, when I have to kind of, because what I do, I'm a HLTA at my school, so I go kind of over all the year groups. I, t- I teach m- mainly PE, but then there's like other PPA time where, you know, I'll have to do other lessons and stuff. And, you know, normally the teachers are kind because they know kind of what, I, <laughs> you know, what I'm good at, what I kind of, I'm a bit panicky about and, um mainly French. <laughs> French is a French is a nightmare. I mean, when they uh, but yeah, and so, I mean science, they, they I kind of have sulked my way out of covering science. Um and for a 32-year-old bloke to be like, do we really have to do do we really have to teach you science? Isn't really the best thing. But I remember I know I spoke about this on the podcast. They, they, they gave me French. A teacher gave me French. She said, right, you got to cover my class. You got to do French. And I was honestly like filled with fear. And I said, um, I went, all right, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. And then she was like, you'll be fine. And I was like, adios. She's <laughs> like, that's not French. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. The best teachers are the teachers who say to the TAs or whoever, what would you like to teach? Yeah. And I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Stay on everybody's strengths for sure. They're my, <laughs> they're my, my favourite teachers because I'm, because I work part time. A lot of the time, I'm covering classes. So my favourite teacher, the ones who are just like, oh yeah, um, yeah, you, you, we're doing this topic. So if you can do anything around that, that that's fine. Rather than the ones who hand me the lesson plan and like yeah. I need you to do that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not for that. Not for that. I don't mind science. I think I'm all right with science at primary, but when it's when it when science got split into the three separate subjects, that's when I was like, nah, I'm I'm out of here. I can't. Yeah, you know, there's a limit limit to where I can get. You know, if I've if I've got to explain, because we were talking about this when it comes to primary primary science, you've just got to rig every experiment you do because whenever you go into like a plant, whenever someone provides like a lesson plan which is a science experiment it never works it never it's all you've always got to rig it so a recent example was we were looking at whether air weighs anything and yeah. so you sort of like put a, 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 a an inflated balloon on one end of a um what was it that we used like a hanger and then you yeah. attach a deflated balloon and and really the inflated balloon should weigh heavier yeah it doesn't weighs exactly the same. So what I had to do was sneakily put a load of blue tack within the top of the, you know, the little where you tie the <laughs> balloon. 
just hired a load of blue tack in there <laughs> to try and make the science experiment actually work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember when I was really newly qualified and I was uh, doing a science lesson and um, it was about that one where you've probably done it, you've uh, seen what makes your bread mouldy, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you were putting bread in different in the cupboard and on the windowsill and in a bag and put a bit of water on it and whatnot and all this. And um, I, I think it was the first time I'd done it and I not tried it at home and I bought this loaf of bread. It must have been the cheapest loaf of bread I've ever known in my life and it must have been packed with preservatives because good grief we left this bread for like I don't know a half term and it's still none of the bread went moldy oh well next time we'll bake some bread and we'll try not to use these preservatives but it's just yeah just just always goes wrong for me (laughs) got the children licking the cupboards it's clean the bread's not moldy yeah it's it's miracle bread me Um, so UK schools are sort of a different breed to other schools. You know, when I share stuff on Facebook, so I get so many messages from teachers in other countries, mainly America, who can't really get their head around some of the uh, some of the things that we have to do in schools. So, have you got what are the what are the random things either from your school days or when you were a teacher? The random things from UK schools that now maybe as an adult or outside of education, you're just sort of a little bit like, why did, why did we, have, you've never seen it anywhere else. It might just be random specific to schools or maybe even things we taught that uh, you sort of now going, why did I need to learn that? It didn't really make sense as an adult. Is, can you think um, of any? Well, I'll tell you one thing that when I, when I was a pupil at yeah. a primary school, we were, every time we had assembly, the head teacher used to walk down the middle of the aisle from the back of the hall. Um, And when he got to the front, we all had to salute him. So (laughs) that's a bit odd um, because he was a nice man and I don't think it was about power. And he would salute us back. Um, I think it was just an odd tradition that was left over because, uh, you know, he was not quite an old man. But when I tell people, yeah, we had to salute our head teacher and it was just a normal, like, County Primary School, um, that, that, that was a bit odd. And, and similarly, in those assemblies, um, somebody always left the assembly at a certain point and they used to walk to the classroom that must have been the furthest classroom away from the assembly hall yeah. um, to start a, a music system. Then we all were listening to this piece of music. And I, I always used to think, why did they not keep that, whatever it was, a record player? or whatever why did they not keep the hall it just it wasn't like a PA system it was just this routine of somebody gets this it was an amazing job by the way that I never got to do and I never even got to be in that classroom where this thing was kept that's why I don't even know what it is um but yeah this was like this this routine of assembly and this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then we listen to morning (laughs) so yeah those kind of things are I like the salute idea Put I have to introduce that because we had it in our secondary school. You you are very Mr. Epping from my uh, book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, in my pri- well, not in primary, but in secondary school, we had to call all our teachers sir, um, which is a weird one because at primary school, do you do you do that, Adam? At my primary school, we don't call <laughs> sir. Uh, no, what do you mean now or yeah, when yeah. we? 
Oh yeah, now yeah, I get called sir all the time. I, oh, do you? And we get yeah, sir and miss is all the time at school, which is weird because I remember being in primary school, and like you said, I never I used to just say the names. It never used to be sir. It used to just be the names. Yeah. Then obviously secondary school, it was sir and miss. But now now yeah, it's sir and miss all the time. No, it's funny. Sorry, because go on. Sorry. But just what um, Adam was saying, that, that is a funny one because you do say, my kids say sir and miss, and one's at primary and one's at secondary, um, um, but you never say missus, do you? Why is that? Why do you not say missus? Even though a lot of the teachers are missus, you just say miss. Yeah. And, and my daughter once had a teacher who would who uh, would never respond if you said miss. You always had to say her full title. I am, don't call me miss. I am missus. Right. <laughs> that kind of thing see my head teacher made if when i first started teaching the children would call me mr p and i had no problem with being called mr p because mr park because when you expect them to say your full name and and it's more than a couple of syllables they never get it right i've been (laughs) you know parking park up park right whatever (laughs) so mr p was always fine just to try and keep it as it but never never sir I've only ever been called sir when older children who were at secondary school, you bump into them outside of school and they're, oh, you're right, sir. But in, in actual school, but my head teacher for a while was always correcting children and making them call me Mr. Parkinson, to which right. I would always sort of have to give a bit of a wink and say, like, don't worry, just play the game to the kids. And it was only since my business took off where it's all this Mr. P that he's finally accepted it. But just going back to the point of the saluting, so when we were at school, we had to, um, if a teacher entered the room, I don't know if this was the same, it sort of got phased out when you were at school, Adam, but you had to like stand up. Did you have to do that, Adam? Uh, in secondary or primary? Se- yeah, not, not in primary, in secondary. Um, I'm sure people did stand up. I usually got sent out, so I never used to see it. <laughs> I was already stood up. I was already stood up outside the class. Um, yeah, I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was a thing. Yeah, maybe really early days. But then, you know, it just kind of got to the point where it was a bit like, why, why, why do we have to stand up? Like, because it, oh. it started getting messy with fountain pens, and you know, you'd stand up, your fountain pen would roll off, ink would spill. It was, you know, <laughs> bad process. I definitely had to stand up when a teacher walks into the room. And but and my son, he's in year 11 now. He does, because yeah. he's always been moaning that. Why do we have to stand up just because a teacher's walked into the room? And Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> See, I feel if, I were, if I worked in secondary school, I'd so annoy the kids by just kind of knocking on the door, walking in, getting all to stand up, and then just be like, actually, I forgot what I was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing it. <laughs> Like the hokey cokey. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. I think that that's since that's been phased out in a lot of schools, that's when the status of a teacher has slowly declined. <laughs> that's where we've lost it when, when children no longer stand up when we walk into a room. Um, but yeah, was there, is there any, or were there any particular teachers that had a huge impact on you that have molded you into the author that you've gone on to become? Was there any teachers that had a huge impact that way? Um, well, I do remember in my year seven, when I was in year seven, I remember an English teacher, she loved to play a lot of drama games with us. And I think that was, I think that had a bit of an impact on, on me and who I became. Um, she used to do, you know, like, um, whose line is it anyway? All oh, those yeah, kind yeah. of 
you know, improvisation games. So I think that's definitely impacted on the, the way I write and who I've become. But then when I was in uh, year nine, um, I also had another English teacher and um, she was one of the people who we did loads of creative writing. And I think that's where I kind of found my kind of home for writing stuff because she she used to read it aloud to everybody else. So that always makes you think, oh God, I must be yeah. good at this. And uh, she, she, I remember telling me that she thought I was funny and, um, you know, you've got away with words that you make people laugh. She, she once set us this task of... Um, writing a review of a tv program that we'd watched and I think at the time I'd forgotten about it until it was about nine o'clock at night and I thought oh my god what am I going to do so I watched the nine o'clock news and then I wrote this review of it but I wrote it all with an in a northern dialect so it was like it were red bits up your body and she said oh you eat me cockles and all this and and she thought this was the best thing that she'd ever read in her life and, and that kind of praise and confirmation that yeah you're, you're good at this kind of stuff that I think that definitely played a part in me um getting to this point and not always writing and yeah I've always written in every every situation every job I've been in I've always written because of People saying, "Oh, you're good at that. I like, yeah. I like where you do that." Yeah. Oh, good. And what was she? What was the name of the teacher? Mrs. Gray. Mrs. She Gray. she very ma- nicely matched her name. She had very grey hair. I was going to say she wasn't passing grey poo, was she? <laughs> <That was laughs> she may have been. Yeah, she may. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, last couple of questions before we wrap everything up. So, if you could, if you were made to be education secretary. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> a job no one would 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 want. Would it? Um, <laughs> what would what would it be? What would you change if you could change anything about our education system? What would it be? Ooh. Um, I tell you what, I'd like on the primary side of things. Yeah. I'd love um, story time to be a to be a thing that people did every day, uh, reading aloud to their class, yeah. because not everybody gets that necessarily at home and it's such yeah. a valuable thing to be read aloud to and of a wide variety of texts um I think yeah I, I think that'd be good maybe more citizenship and you know things about real life and learning about different kinds of people yeah that kind of thing I'd also invent a rule where no no teacher was ever allowed to just cancel PE for some reason which happens in primary schools because you've not finished your maths or because somebody yeah. were talking and all this I don't I don't go for things like that because I, I kind of I like I like subjects to have equal weighting yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm big into that I think no. I think at secondary level I, I don't know I'd probably revamp the whole GCSE system let's, yeah. let's go big because yeah. uh, GCSEs were they were you know implemented because it was like it was called a general certificate of secondary education isn't it? and um yeah. I don't know having been with my son who's in year 11 for for a lot of time over the last few months and I see the things that he's learning it, some of it is not general at all especially in things like science yeah. where it is going into things in such in-depth detail I think that Gosh, when I was at school, this I don't think we learned this. I can't remember doing anyway. I think it was like it was for kids who was wanted to specialise in something and you maybe went to do it at an A level or something. I I just think it's got a bit too much for this yeah. general certificate of yeah, you're at this level and 
plus people don't leave school at 16 anymore do they you've got to stay in school for your education or training or whatever until you're 18 now so I I just don't think they make sense on the whole not fit for purpose (laughs) no I don't think I don't think they are I think it needs a bit of a shake up yeah 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 I mean I just get confused now when people say oh I've got a seven and oh yeah what what's that is that yeah. like a B? Just, just give it me in letters. <laughs> I know me. Because I had me um, too. I've got a seventeen-year-old stepson, so he's or was due to do his A levels. I don't know if he actually is sitting anything now. But yeah, when he got his GCSEs and he got his results, I was just trying. My, I was like, he was like <laughs> oh, I've got a six, and I'm going. Yeah, but what does that mean in letters? What does that mean yeah, in well, what's that in real money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like Ron Burgundy reading the news with a question mark where you were like, well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no idea, no idea. But um, all, 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 all I know is my, my son will say to me, if you get a four or above, you've passed. Yeah, so that's yeah. all you need to know, Mum. If you get a four or above, you've passed. Okay. okay. And, you need, and you need a second opinion because it's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you could say anything to me you could be like a minus five yeah. is yeah. a pass yeah four yeah. seems four pr- seems pretty low below five <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know what yeah this is at the same time as yes we are allowed to wear hoodies over our co- our jumpers everybody's doing it yeah we're allowed ask anybody that yeah, yeah. this kind of thing <laughs> can't believe a teenager Cannot believe a teenager. Do you know why? Because I was once one. <laughs> me too, <laughs> me too. I know all the tricks. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's interesting what you were saying there about the reading for pleasure and, and reading out loud because, um, you know, it's something that I personally really push and, and talk about a lot. You know, as much as I sort of, I'm not sort of specialise in technology when it comes to the training I do with teachers, you know, one staple because I hate the phrase non-negotiables, by the way, but if there was not one non-negotiable that I think every teacher has to follow, it's exactly that what you said there is reading aloud to to children, because I just think it's so, just so, so important. And like you say, I think there's so many children now who aren't being read to outside of schools. And I think it's almost, it's not necessarily our responsibility. It's almost like a privilege for teachers because, you know, you, you, you could ask anyone what what memories do you have of your time at primary school um or what what's your favorite book from primary school and it'll always be one that either a teacher read to them or uh, a parent did and and that is just has such a huge impact and you know i think we we talk a lot about this sort of gift of reading i always see this and i just don't think it's a gift i think it's sort of a right like children have the right to be read to and have stories shared with them. And, you know, I think at the minute when so many more stories, like we were talking about before, that are touching upon subjects that probably haven't had the focus they should have had, whether that's, you know, diversity, like you've said there about representation, you know, I think it's really important for us as teachers now to be embracing that so that children just feel, you know, or recognize themselves and their world within you know, different stories. I think it's just so incredibly important. So I, I completely agree with what you just said there. I think it's uh, an absolute must. Oh, good. I used to love reading aloud to the classes that I taught. I remember reading, have you read um, Crindle Cracks by Philip yeah. Ridley? 
yeah. that that kind of thing where it's you know it's funny but it's an adventure and you can do all the different voices and you know this I was this was at a time when Harry Potter was massive but it was so inaccessible to the children that I was teaching who were nine and ten Um, and just to just to share different genres of books and show them what's out there and give them a taste and and yeah I just think it's I just think yeah like you say it's it's a lovely thing to do and it's so beneficial that why why would you not do that exactly exactly super right last question then so if you had a time machine and can travel back to meet your 10-year-old self, what advice would you give? Um, Train for the 1,500 metres. <laughs> you never know what you're going to be doing when you're 14. You yeah. can't run. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I think when I was 10, I was probably a bit more underconfident and um, wary about putting my hand up to answer questions and give my opinions on things. Yeah. So I think I'd... I probably tell myself that, um, you know, don't be afraid to be yourself and uh, what you've got to say, you know, is perfectly valid. And as, yeah. as much as anybody else, what anybody else is going to say, and it doesn't matter if you get it wrong, as long as, long as you're not being offensive, you know, which I, which I wasn't, you, you are valid as an opinion in this, in this situation. So yeah, yeah. like just be more confident and know that you, you're probably right anyway. So yeah. just be confident in it, put your hand up. <laughs> Love it, love it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And um, just for anyone who wants to know more about you and the book, um, when is the book released? Or is it already out, the first book? No, so the first one is called The Accidental Diary of Bug, and that one's out on the 15th of April. Super, super. And where can we find more about you and where, where can we get the book from? You can get the book anywhere, you know, you can, it's, it's, it'll be in bookshops and they're going to open on the 12th. So oh, hopefully you can nice. get it from a bookshop. It's just in time, <laughs> but um, you can pre-order it right now and get it delivered on or before that date. That would be yeah. nice. You can pre-order it anywhere, you know, Amazon, Waterstones, your local bookshop, yeah. anywhere. Uh, you know, I have a website, gen-carney.com. If you want to have a look, happy to see you there. Super, super. And thank I'm sure thank you a... so much for having me. It's been so nice talking to you. Oh, no, thank, thank you very you. much. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a huge, huge success. And obviously with the other two books coming out after as well. So, um, so yeah, thank you so, so much. Um, hope you have a lovely Easter break. And uh, yeah, best of luck with everything. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you.